going to be in Mark this morning, although this is a part two of last week. There was much more I felt to be said on the discussion and the topic that we had last week from Mark chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. And so we're just going to set up camp kind of in the same same type of, of mindset that we were in last week. So this is Are We There Yet? Part 2. We'll be in Mark chapter 10 this morning. There uh, are several verses which we will look at a lot today. I will go ahead and warn you that we will look at a lot of God's Word today. Praise the Lord. I will uh, probably go through some of them kind of quickly just for time's sake. So... Uh, please ask me for these scriptures should you want them and not have time to jot them down. Uh, I want you to read them for yourself. I want you to let the Holy Spirit speak to you through the scriptures. And I want you to check me out to make sure I'm steering you right. And so if there are scriptures that I uh, quote from or read from today and you don't have time to get to them, uh, just let me know and I will be happy to tell you every scripture that I read from today. I know it says on the screen verse 20, but we'll start in verse 17 just to give us a little context. What's a few more verses? Now, uh, just a little recap of what we talked about last week that kind of got this ball rolling on this, on this topic uh, of are we there yet. We, we looked last week in Mark chapter 3. We were on verses 20 and 21. And Jesus had come back home, probably Peter's home, but he had come back uh, to the place that they called home, he and the disciples. And the crowds were continuing to follow him, so much so that they couldn't even prepare, prepare food. They couldn't even eat. And his family and friends and those who belonged to Jesus, those who were with him, said, Look, he's out of his mind. They thought Jesus was crazy because all he was doing, uh, probably the, some of the things he was saying they thought were crazy. The fact that he was uh, surrounded by people and not even having time to eat, they probably thought was crazy. And so... Jesus doing and having a successful ministry and putting the needs of others first and saying the bold things that he said and making the bold claims that he made and, and being there to be with the sick and the sinners and, and interacting with these people that many in society wouldn't act with, the people that were there with Jesus and Matthew, or excuse me, Mark 3, 21 said, look, he's out of his mind. Now, as Christians, we talked about last week that, that, that we should not look like the rest of the world. That maybe if we really lived by God's Word the way we should, maybe if we really followed the example that Jesus gave us to follow, maybe more people would say that we were out of our mind. Maybe if nobody's saying we're out of our mind, it may be that we're living more like the world than we're living like Jesus. Because many times when we live for the Lord the way He calls us to live for Him, it will look to everyone else in the world as though we are insane. And sadly, it may even look to other Christians, to other believers, to other followers that we are out of our mind because we're doing things that are crazy. Uh, but as we begin to grow in the Lord and as we begin to uh, dig deeper into His Word, God may lead us to do things that we one day thought were crazy. He may lead us to do things that we see others do and we say, boy, they're crazy. But the question we have to ask is, are we there yet? And when I say are we there yet, are we to the place where we're willing to do anything and everything that God would call us to do, be as bold as He may be calling us to be, give up things that He may be calling us to give up? Are we there yet to the point that we are ready to say, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you call me to do, even though it may look crazy, even though me, people may think I'm insane, God, I want to be where you want me to be. And the question we have to ask that we talked about last week was, are we there yet? 
Are we to a point that we really are willing and ready to serve God in the way that He wants us to serve Him? Now, before you say yes to that question, you need to think for a second because be aware that God's Word may be calling us to more than we ever realized. I think there are a lot of times in God's Word that we read things and we say, well, that's not what Jesus really meant. Well, that doesn't really apply to me. Well, that's for other people to do. That's not for me to do. But what if that is really what the Bible says? What if Jesus really did mean what he said in that verse you read? What if God really is calling you and me to do the things and not somebody else? Are we to the point that we are ready to do whatever Jesus Christ calls us to do? Now, it's easy for us to say yes. But when it comes down to it, is it really easy for us to do it? When it comes down to it, are we willing to choose Jesus over our things of this world? Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys, these verses over the last couple of weeks, as I have read through these things, they have convicted me and my heart and my lifestyle. These verses have blown, through many, blown so many holes in my lifestyle and my heart in the last couple of weeks, it looks like Swiss cheese. And I have had to take a step back and say, I need to reevaluate my life and I need to reevaluate some things. Because even though I may would say I'm living by God's word, boy, over the last few months and the last few weeks as I looked at these words, I think, am I really living by God's word? Now these verses today may speak to you in the same way they've spoken to me, or maybe it's just me that God's preaching to. Well, y'all just humor me and let me preach to myself and then we can all go home. But let us listen to what God's word is saying today and let God speak to our hearts this morning. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you today and I thank you for these words. God, I pray that you forgive my hypocrisy. Dear Lord, I pray that you forgive me for, for saying that I do the right thing, but God, seeing in your words that, man, I'm not doing the right thing. But God, I want to do the right thing. And so I pray, God, that through these words today that you would help me to do the right thing, that you would help the ones in here to do the right thing, and that you would help us to know, God, what the right thing is in our life, dear Lord. God, I pray that you change your heart. It's not about just some actions that we do or some things that we do or motions that we go through, dear Lord. We can do some of the things that we read about today, God, but if our heart's not changed, it's not where we need to be. And so, God, I pray that you change our hearts, that we don't do something just out of guilt, but, God, that you change our hearts to make us want to do what you call us to do, to make us want to serve you in a way that we're willing to sacrifice and give and do all we can for you, dear Lord. And God, I pray that you convict my heart, that you convict the hearts of each one in here should we need to be convicted. I pray that you change our hearts. I pray that you lead us in a way that's going to lead us to want to serve you all the more. And I pray, God, that the Holy Spirit would speak through these words today, God, that you would tell us what you want us to hear. Let our hearts be open to hear it. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up, knelt before him, that is Jesus, and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. No one is good but one, God. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, and do not bear false witness. Do not defraud, honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, 
I have kept all these from my youth. Then looking at him, Jesus loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But he was stunned at this command, and he went away grieving, because he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Now, the Bible has much to say about wealth and about riches. Now, we won't break down this whole uh, passage verse by verse, but we will focus on the heart of what Jesus was saying here, here at the end of the passage. Here was a man that desired to follow Jesus. Teacher, hey, I want to follow you. I see what you're saying. I like what you're saying. I see what you're doing, and I want to follow you. I want to be your follower. What do I need to do? Jesus said, well, you know the commands? listed off a few of the commands. The guy said, yep, do all these things. Been doing them since I was a child. Jesus said, good. There's one more thing you need to do. Jesus said, I want you to get rid of all of your possessions and I want you to give them away and then I want you to come follow me. But the guy didn't say, yes, Lord, I'm willing to do all you call me to. Instead, it says that the man went away grieving because he had many possessions. And Jesus said, look, it's hard for someone with wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Now that's true. That statement that Jesus said is very true, and I think we can make that case very clearly throughout Scripture. Jesus uh, gives a story with a similar response at the end of it. Uh, in Matthew, uh, we all, or excuse me, in, in Luke, we see a similar story, and Jesus gives the, the, the illustration that it's easier for uh, the, the, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man uh, to enter the kingdom of God. Now, we look often maybe at passages that talk about riches and that talk about wealth, and we may be quick to say, these verses don't apply to me. Because I'm not rich, and I'm not wealthy, and it's because as Americans, and we talked about this last week, this is just a refresher, maybe some of you weren't here, and it's because that for some of us who are Americans, or all of us who are Americans, uh, we, we look at what Americans call wealth, and Americans call riches, and by the American standard, we may not be wealthy, or we may not be rich, as compared to our President Donald Trump, our other millionaires or billionaires in our country. But compared to what many in the world have, actually probably the majority in the world have, everyone in this room is wealthy. Everyone in this room is rich. You may not be rich compared to wealthy Americans, but I can assure you, you are very rich to the child in Africa who is starving of hunger. Uh, We may not be rich in the eyes of our neighbors, but I can promise you in the eyes of most of the world, we are rich, we are wealthy, we are blessed. Now, anything that we have, anything that we have have accumulated for ourselves has not come from ourselves. Whether you are sitting in here today and you have very little, or whether you are sitting in here today and you have a very lot, every one of us, everything we have has come from the Lord. You have earned that because God has allowed you to earn that. Now, yes, wealth does come from work. Sometimes, sometimes, in some instances, uh, people may look into money. But generally speaking, the majority of the time, wealth comes from work. And you have worked hard. I would 
guess probably everybody in this room has worked hard and are continuing to work hard. And God has given you wealth. God has given you food to eat. God has given you clothes to wear. God has given you a house to live in. God has given you a reliable vehicle to drive. God has blessed you in many ways, and that is from the Lord. Any wealth that we have attained, no matter how little or how much, it is from the Lord. Now, our wealth is not just our money, I don't believe. I believe our wealth is anything that God has given us a lot of. Now, some of us are wealthy with money. There may be some of you that have a lot of money. Now, I don't have a clue how much money anybody has, nor do I want to know. But there may be some of you who are blessed with a wealth of money. There may be others of you who are blessed with a wealth of abilities or talents. There may be others of you who are blessed with a wealth of time. That is, you have lots of time that you could serve. You may not have lots of money. You may not have lots of ability, but you may have a lot of time on your hands. And God can use that too. Whatever God has given us a lot of, we should not complain and say, I don't have enough money, or I don't have enough abilities, or I don't have enough time. Instead, we need to look at, God, what do I have? God, what have you given me? And what are we willing to give back to the Lord? Now, we may look at stories like this and we say, well, this scripture doesn't apply to me because I'm not a rich man. Well... I believe we are rich men and women in this congregation, in this country. I believe we are wealthy. And we may look at passages like this and say, well, this was Jesus' command just to this guy. This wasn't a command to me. Well, it was a command to that guy, for sure, in the context. But perhaps it's a command to us, too. Perhaps Jesus is calling us to give of more of what we have. Perhaps He's calling us to give of everything we have. Now, we don't even really want to entertain that notion for a second, really. And if we do entertain it for a second, we are quick to say, well, God's not calling me to give away everything. And maybe He's not. Only you know what God is calling you to do. But what if He is? What if God does want you to give away everything? What if God does want you to give away more than what you're giving right now? Where is your limit? Is there a limit? Is there a limit to what you would give, what you would do for the Lord? This man had a limit. His limit was, hey, he was following the commands. He was ready to, to leave things behind and follow Jesus. But his limit was he wasn't ready to get rid of the things that he found comfort and satisfaction and security in. Instead, when Jesus said, you've got to give it all up to follow me, to follow me requires everything you have, the man couldn't do it. He went away grieving. Now, I don't know what God is calling anybody to do or not to do. But we need to look at God's words concerning these things, and we need to be prayerful and see, God, am I doing what you want me to do? Am I doing enough? Oftentimes, we want to pat ourselves on the back because we're doing something. If we do anything, we say, that's enough. And maybe it is. Or maybe it's not. What are we willing to give for the glory of God? to see that His work is done. Are we willing to put a 20 in the plate every week? Yeah. Are we willing to put a $100 bill in the plate every week? Yeah. Are we willing to give $100 to the man who's starving on the street and needs a meal? Are we willing to use 
10% of our wealth for the glory of God, whether it be giving to the church or giving to other ministries and people who are in need? What about 20%? Now we're getting to the point, I don't know about that. I'll do a 20, I'll help the man on the street with a burger. 10%, I'll do that. 20%, no, fixed income, can't do it. What about 50% of what we have? What about dipping into our retirement fund? Uh-oh, not willing to give that up. What about selling some of the things that are nearest and dearest to us and saying, you know what, I can do without so I can help somebody out? What about living on the bare minimum that we can and what we need to survive? We see another need and we say, you know what, even though I'm stretching by and I'm not going to have enough to eat tonight myself, I'll give some of what I have. How many of us are willing to get to that point? I can tell you in your mind, probably a lot of you jump shipped after about 20%. If Jesus came in this room today, how many of us would give Jesus everything? If Jesus walked down this aisle and said, I want you to give all of your money to the church. I hate to even say that. I sound like a TV preacher. This is not about giving your money to the church. I don't care where you give your money. You give it anywhere that the Lord can use it. It doesn't matter if you give it here or not. That's not what I'm saying today. This is not a plea for your money. This is not about uh, giving to the church. This is about the Lord in your heart. So don't, don't say that I'm, I'm like a TV preacher telling you all your money. But listen, if Jesus were to come in this room today and say, would you give me everything? Would you get rid of something that you have? Because I need it. I can use it. I need it. I'm in need. Probably, and maybe not, probably most of you would say, Lord Jesus, is yours for the taking. But you know what's scary? Because there's probably some in this room that if Jesus came in and really called us to do what he called this man to do, you know what we would do? We would leave grieving because we have many possessions. You say, well, that's easy for you to say that. I can, I can say, yeah, because Jesus ain't coming through that door. Well, you sure about that? You sure about that? You sure Jesus isn't saying, I want you to give for this and I want you to give for that. I want you to help me in this way. Now, Jesus probably is not going to walk through that door. I can say with, with quite certainty he's not. But you know what? Jesus says, whatever you do to the least of these, you do it to me. And every time, every time that we pass by a need that we can meet and we don't, we're saying, Jesus, I care more about keeping my stuff and my monies for myself than I do about you. Now, that's pretty serious stuff, right? That's pretty heavy stuff. Sometimes people say, well, there's a need and there's this and that and the other. What should I do? What, how, what need should I meet? How do I know what to give to the church or what to give to other people? And is it okay for me not to give to the church if I can give and help somebody else? Well, here's what I say to that. If you're asking me, well, what should I do? What need should I meet? You should meet every need that you have the opportunity and the ability to meet. Now, you talk about that, don't cut me to the core. Because you know what I don't do? I don't meet every need that I have the opportunity and the ability to meet. Because the opportunity's there, but I'm too lazy. The opportunity's there, 
but I don't want to go out of my way. The opportunity's there, but I don't want to get dirty. The opportunity's there, but I'm really just just don't care. The ability's there, but I don't want to use the ability to help somebody else because there's things that I want for myself. The ability's there, but, well, God, I've got to save for my retirement. The ability's there, but, God, if I don't prepare, who's going to take care of me in my old age? You know who's going to take care of you in your old age if you do what you do for the Lord? The Lord is. Ain't that something? You see, a lot of times the reason why we don't give, one reason is because we don't trust the Lord. We really don't trust the Lord. We say we've got to prepare for ourselves. It's wise to prepare for ourselves. You know what else is wise? It's doing what the Lord calls you to do. Now look, listen at this now. Now there are lots of different people and lots of different wealth and lots of different ways that we, that we, that we look at wealth and that we view wealth and that we do things with our wealth. Now, there are some people in this world who are just tight. They are penny pinchers. They are not going to spend money. They are going to store it up. And it's not for the Lord's glory. It's because they are cheap. They don't want to help anybody else. They don't want to get any, rid of anything that they have. And maybe part of their reason is, well, I may need it one day. Now, there are some people that hold on to their wealth and hold on to their wealth until they die. And then those who come after them blow through their wealth in about 10 seconds. Now, there's a story, a parable that Jesus says about a man who had lots of wealth. Said he had so much wealth, his crops were coming in, he couldn't fill up his barns. And he said, what should I do? I've got more than I could possibly use, more than I could live on, more than I need. What should I do with the excess? Hmm, I know what I'll do. I'll build more barns and store more. Wrong answer. But guess what we do? We do the same thing, if we're being honest. And Jesus, boy, he was not happy with that guy. God said, this very night your life will be demanded of you. See, the guy said, he said this, he said, I'll build more barns, I'll sit back and relax and live the good life. He says, I'll eat, drink, and I'll be merry. Wrong answer. What do we do with our excess? Because I can, I can just about say that for, for some of us in here, maybe not all, but for some of you at least, you have a lot of excess coming in. You have worked, you have built up wealth, and you get more and more wealth and you invest more and more money. You get more and more wealth, you start a different retirement fund. Well, I've got more, what am I gonna do with it? Well, I'm gonna save it and I'm gonna store it up and I'm gonna sit back and I'm gonna eat and drink and be merry because that's what God wants me to do, to enjoy life. Well, yes, I do believe God wants us to enjoy life, Boy, what we call enjoying life may not be what God means when He says He wants us to enjoy life. And so when we have an abundance, what do we do with that abundance? Well, we look at the man in that story and we say, shame on him. And they should be saying, shame on us. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell on myself right here. Now, God's convicted me now. Now, y'all pray for me, and I'm going to pray for you that God would help us all to be on the right track because maybe some of you are off track like I'm off track. But I want to be on track. But here's what I do when I have an excess. God's good to me. I got food to eat, praise the Lord. I got plenty of clothes to wear, more than I need. Michelle's always buying me clothes. I don't need as many clothes as I have. We just cleaned out my closet two weeks ago, and I gave away half of what was in there, and it's still full. Now, isn't that something? Now, that's not a funny thing. I mean, we kind of laugh at that. It is kind of funny in a way. But really, if we think about it, it's really not. Because there are people who don't have anything. Who don't have anything. 
and we have an excess. And we eat, and we drink, and we got clothes, and we get to the end of it all, we still got money left. Praise the Lord. God's blessed us, and He has. You know what I do when I got money left? Get to the end of it all, say, all right, everything's good. Put my few dollars in at the church, helped a couple people here and there, got access left, what am I going to do? I don't want to do. Buy some new wheels for my truck. Be cool. Buy a new TV. That would be fun. That's what I do when I have excess. But I don't believe that's the right thing to do. Not in the last couple weeks. Not after reading God's Word, because I was thinking about that this week. I said, you know, when I get to heaven, God's not going to say, boy, that was really cool wheels for your truck. I'm glad you could have that. I'm proud of you. You're my child. I wanted you to ride in style. No, I don't think God's going to say how cool I was. I don't think God's going to say, boy, I'm glad you got that TV. You need to enjoy stuff. You work hard. You need a good TV to watch. Boy, that thing had good contrast, God. Did you see that contrast? That was great contrast on that TV. Nope. I don't think God's going to say that. You know what it may be more likely that God's going to say? Talk about contrast. How about this contrast? Kids in Africa's parents are mixing salt with mud to feed them to fill their bellies while I'm eating and living the good life. That's a contrast because I'm spending my excess on me. Now that's heavy stuff. Now that may not be true in your life, or it may be. It may not be that God's just speaking to me today. It may be that God's speaking to you. Now, I don't know how much excess you have, but God does. God knows what your needs really are. God knows how much you have and can give. And it may be that God has called you in the past to do more than you've done. It may be that God's calling you now to do more than you've done. Or it may be that God's calling you in the future to do more than you think you can do. Now we have a choice to make. Are we going to follow the Lord if He calls us to give everything? Are we willing to say, yes, Lord, I'll give up everything? Now most of us are willing to give up from a little from what we have. A few of us may be even willing to sell a few things to give from what we have. But God wants us to be so committed to Him and so obedient to Him that we would be willing to do without so that others can have. And we need to check our lives. And we need to check our hearts. And we need to see what God may be speaking to us in our life. In James chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, He says, Come now, you rich people, weep and wail over the miseries that are coming on you. Your wealth is ruined and your clothes are moth-eaten. Your silver and gold are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and you and will eat your flesh like fire. Now, isn't that exactly what Jesus said was going to happen? He said, look, he said, don't store up riches for yourself in this world because it's going to rust. It's going to go away. It'll be moth-eaten. And here James is speaking to the rich and the wealthy and he's saying, look, this is exactly what happened. Your clothes are moth-eaten. Your silver and your golds are corroding away. He said, you stored up treasure in the last days. Look, the pay that you withheld from the workers who reaped your fields cries out. And the outcry of the harvesters has reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. 
You have lived luxuriously on the land, have indulged yourselves. You have fattened your hearts for the day of slaughter. That's a pretty stern warning that he's giving to the rich there. That's a pretty stern warning. He's saying, look, you've you've withheld from others who were in need, those who were your workers. Now, in the context, he may be talking about a dishonest manager, a dishonest uh, owner of some slaves or some workers here, and he wasn't paying them properly. But maybe he's talking about more of a bigger picture. You've withheld from those who were working, those who were doing the work. You could have given to them, you could have helped them, and you didn't do it. There are plenty of people in this world today who are doing the work. There are missionaries in this world today that are having to leave the field where they want to serve the Lord because they don't have the means to serve. Because they can't do the work they need to do and take care of the people and have the funds that they need. There are many people who have a heart to go and do and they don't have the means. And there are many people who have the means that could help the people do And we live on our riches, and instead of helping those in need, we live luxuriously with the things we crave and the things that we desire. Luke chapter 12, verses 15 through 21. Well, I won't read that. I've already told you that story. That's the story of the the man who had the barns and uh, continued to fill those barns over and above what he needed. Here's a good warning for us. Revelation chapter 3, verse 17. Jesus says this to the church of Laodicea. He says, Because you say, I'm rich, I have become wealthy, and need nothing. And you don't know that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Now wealth has a tendency to do that to us. Wealth has a tendency to get us comfortable in our wealth, to trust in our wealth, to be secure with our wealth. And that was the problem with Laodicea. The people were so comfortable in their wealth that they really had forgotten about God. They thought that they were living the good life. They thought everything was great. But Jesus said, let me tell you the truth. You're pitiful. You're naked. You're poor. You're blind. He's speaking spiritually here, I believe. And the same may be said of us. We may be rolling in the dough. We may be wealthy as we could be on the outside. But it may be that God's looking at our heart and maybe. Our heart is no better than those of Laodicea. Maybe Jesus is speaking those words to you today. Maybe you found security and trust in your wealth. Maybe Jesus is saying today, no, your wealth is not going to save you. What you need to realize is that you're wretched and pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You see, it matters what we treasure in this life. It matters what we look at as important in this life. Because what we treasure and what we look at uh, is what we will trust, is what we will find comfort and security in. And if that's money, that's a bad thing. If that's the Lord, that's a beautiful thing. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, Jesus says, Don't collect for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but collect for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys. And where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, had been dealing with heart conditions. He'd been dealing with the attitude of the heart. Now, we need to get this right here. Listen to this. 
Now, some of you, sometimes we hear sermons like this and we may say, all right, I'm going and selling everything and giving to the poor. That's a good thing if you do that thing. But what God really wants to do is not for us just to do that, just to do it. Sometimes we may do that out of guilt. But we don't want to do things like that out of guilt. Our prayer today shouldn't be, God, help me to give all my stuff away. But God, change my heart. God, help me to treasure you more than anything. That's where we start. And once we do that, whatever the Lord demands of us will fall into place. If we treasure Jesus Christ more than anything, if we are fully content with Him, then we are trusting in Him, we are comfortable in Him, we are secure in Him. And when our heart is changed, then God can begin to use us. You can give away all your stuff today if you want to, but that don't mean your heart's going to change. Jesus doesn't just want you to give away all your stuff. Jesus wants your heart to be fully content with Him. And when our hearts are fully content with Jesus, everything changes. When our hearts are fully content with Jesus, here's what I believe will happen. We will be able to do anything that we never thought we could do before when it comes to our wealth. We'll be able to give more than we ever thought we would give. We will do without more than we ever thought we could do without with. We will get rid of what we have, and we won't care if our heart's in the right place. Now, my prayer for us today is that God would change our hearts should it need to be changed. Now, I don't know what everybody's heart's like, but maybe some of your hearts need to be changed. You may be in the same boat that me, and that's been my prayer this week. God, change my heart. Not to just go through emotion. Not to just say, oh, he told the man to sell all his possessions. I'm going to sell all my possessions, and I'll be a good Christian. No, we won't. If our heart's not right, we'll just be walking the same old path we were always walking. But Jesus doesn't want us to focus on wealth. He wants us to focus on our treasures that are in him, our treasures that are in heaven. And when our heart is right, then God can begin to work in our lives. Proverbs chapter 17 verse 1 says, Better a dry crust with peace than a house full of feasting with strife. Better to have a little and live the good life and peaceful life than have a lot. You know, there are advantages to being rich, but there are also disadvantages. There are advantages to being poor, believe it or not, but there are obvious disadvantages. And here we see in the Proverbs, Better a dry crust with peace. You know, the times that I was probably the happiest in my life were the times that I had the least. That's true. The times that I had the least and didn't have much, I was about as happy as I've ever been. The times where I have more in my life are the times where I'm the most miserable. Because having more usually means we want more. And wanting more means we're not content. And when we're not content, guess what? We're not happy. We're not at peace. We're miserable. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 8 and 9 says, Look, Keep falsehood and deceitful words far from me. Give me neither poverty nor wealth. Feed me with the food I need. Otherwise, I might have too much and deny you, saying, Who is the Lord? Or I might have nothing and still profaning the name of my God. Now that's a great proverb for us to live by. I don't think we should seek to live in poverty, although there are many Christians throughout history who have done just that. They have lived in poverty because they love the Lord. We talked about Lottie Moon. We talked about her, and she, she gave up what she had to serve those around her and to ultimately serve the Lord. This prayer from Proverbs chapter 30 would be a good prayer for us. God, help us not to live in poverty, but help us not to be rich. If we're rich, we trust in our riches. And if we're poor, we curse God, saying, God, why don't you help me? And so God, help us not to be neither too rich nor too poor. That may be a good prayer for us to say today. 
In Luke chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, John the Baptist was on the scene. He was preaching the word. People were coming to him. He was preaching about the Messiah that was to come. And they came to him and said, what do we need to do? Now, of all the things that John the Baptist could have told them to do, you know what he told them to do? Listen to what he told them to do. First thing he said after they asked him the question. In Luke chapter 3, verse 10, he says, They say, What then should we do? The crowds were asking him. He replied to them, The one who has two shirts must share with the one who has none. And the one who has food must do the same. Now, ain't that crazy? Here John is preaching about the Messiah that's coming, and they say, all right, we want to follow the Messiah. What do we need to do? And John says, give to those in need. That's pretty phenomenal right there. Not so much different from Jesus' own preaching. Now, we would think if somebody asked us, we'd say, well, you need, to, you need to be baptized. You need to be at church every Sunday. You need to put money in the plate. You need to come to Sunday school. It's not what John said. He said, meet the needs of others. And that's exactly what God calls us to do today. If we have, then we need to give. The question that you must answer is, what am I giving with the excess that I have? Are we building more barns? Are we living on luxuries? Are we sitting back so we can eat, drink, or be merry? Are we doing what John called these early followers to do? Help those who are in need. Give from what you can so that God can be glorified through the things that we do. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, it says, Your life should be free from the love of money. Now, many people would read that and say, Yep, don't affect me. I don't love money. Eh, you may not love money, but really what that's saying is you may love stuff. And guess what? you got to have money to have stuff. And so don't try to weasel out of these verses so easily. Yep, talking about rich people, I'm not rich. Donald Trump needs to read that. Nope, not going to get out that easy. You see, God's Word, if we really read it, it may be hard for us. I'm going to tell you what, it's been hard for me the last couple of weeks, but praise the Lord that it's hard. Praise the Lord that he, that he works on us and He tells us these things. He reveals these truths to us to point us in the right direction because if you're in this room and you're a Christian, then your desire should be to do what God wants you to do. And if you're not doing that, you should be thrilled when you see God's Word convicts you of that. Not many Christians, though. Many Christians aren't thrilled at all. They leave after hearing sermons like this trying to forget them. They hear the preacher on the radio say something they don't like. Well, they turn it off and they don't listen to him next time he comes on. Most Christians don't really want to hear the truth about God's Word. Because the truth about God's Word calls us to more maybe than we want to do. The truth is that there may be many Christians in this world that should they be faced with the decision of giving rid of their things or following Jesus, they may choose the very same thing that this man in Mark chapter 10 chose. And sadly, there may be some in this room that would do the same thing. Now, you may be trying to justify today. All oh, them scriptures don't mean that. Them scriptures don't apply to me. Well, maybe they don't. That's between you and the Lord. You seek the Lord and you feel like that that's not what they say, then by all means, don't listen to me. Listen to what you think what the Lord's saying. Or maybe these scriptures call us to something more. Maybe they call us to something more difficult. Something so difficult that people will look at us when we do it and say, He is crazy. Can you believe He got rid of that? She got rid of that? Can you believe that they're living on rice and beans and giving all their money to help somebody else? They are crazy. Those are those crazy Christians. No, you can drop the crazy off. 
Those are just Christians living as Christians should live. And guess what? If you're in this room today and God's calling you to, to, to follow Him and serve Him, if you've chosen to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're a Christian. And our desire should be to do what God calls us to do. The question is, what do we do with tough things like this that call us to something more, maybe? You know what God's calling you to or not. I don't know. What do we do with scriptures like this? What do we do as a church? How do we use our funds here? Well, you guys know my thoughts on that. I say we give it all away. We give it till we can't give anymore. Some of you are hearing that saying, Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's give it away. Some of you are saying, Oh my. That's foolish. Shouldn't we keep some back? Ain't it good to prepare for hard times? Well, it's foolish to spend all your money if you're spending it on yourself. That would be foolish. If we were spending all our money individually as a church on ourselves, that would be foolish, and I don't think that God blesses that. But I don't believe it is ever foolish to do good with God's money. And every bit of money that we have is God's money. Every dollar in your pocket, every dollar in this church bank account, it's God's money. And it is never foolish, I don't believe, to do what is good with God's money. And I don't believe it is foolish in any way should a need arise and we have the opportunity and the ability, even if it should drain our bank account, to meet that need. Some of you in your heart are saying, Amen. Some of you are saying, Oh my. What kind of church are we? What kind of person are you? We see the sinners come in off the street. Those bad people do the really bad sins. Not the simple stuff, not the little lie. Not the little gossip. I'm talking about the really bad sinners. We see them coming in the church. Some of you say, Amen. Sinners are coming in. Some of you say, Oh my. Not those people. Those who are diseased and sick, we could catch what they've got. We see them coming in the church. Some of you say, Amen. The sick and diseased are coming. And some of you say, oh my, we don't want those people here. We see the poor coming. Here comes the poor, the people who don't have anything, the people who have the most need, that need a house, that need clothes, that need food. we got a bank account full of money. Here they come, they come into us. Amen. Not some of you. Some of you are saying, oh my, not more of those people. They're going to take our money. We built this up. Years. We can add a new, new, new section on the church. Here come the people from different races. From all over the world. That don't look like us. That don't act like us. That don't talk like us. They're pulling in the parking lot. I think they're coming here. They're coming up the sidewalk. They must just be asking for directions. I'm going in the door. They're coming here. Some of you are saying amen. Some of you are saying oh my. Now, I don't know where your heart is today, but I'm going to tell you what my prayer is for this church in these areas and many more is that we are a church that says amen. God, you have blessed us. God, you have given us an opportunity to love. God, you have given us an opportunity to reach people, to accept people, to meet their needs. And here we are. God, send them to us. God, let us help them. 
Amen. And that's what my prayer is. And some of you may be saying in your heart right now, I don't like that. Well, too bad. Because that is what God's Word calls us to. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you today and we thank you for these words. God, this is some tough stuff. And so I pray, God, that you would help me as your follower and as your pastor of this church, that you convict my heart, that you change my lifestyle, that you change everything about me, God, that I would treasure you more than I treasure anything in this world. And God, I know my heart's not right. So God, I pray now that you would convict my heart and that you would change it, that I would treasure you the most. And God, I pray that for each person in this room today. God, I don't know anybody's heart. You know their heart. If their heart's good, then praise you, Lord. If their heart's not good, though, I pray that you convict them. I pray that you help them to trust you. I pray that you help them to treasure you more than anything in this world, God. And God, when we do that, as individuals and in a church, God, you will work in us more than we could ever imagine. God, sometimes I wonder what you could do with your people if we were all really on board with you. Not just here, but everywhere, God. And I pray that you would help us to have a heart that treasures you more than anything. That we can willingly say honestly and be ready to do it. Say, Lord Jesus, everything I have is yours. God, give me the opportunity. You've given me the ability. Now let me do your work for you. And God, I pray that that would be the heart of this church today. God, I pray that you would help us to be a church that amens. God, I pray that we would amen over everything you have done for us, everything you will do for us, every person you will send our way. God, that we would be a church that's ready to do your work and do your will and be ready to love like you love. God, I pray that you blind us to, to the things of this world that we may, be want to, uh, may, may want to be judgmental about, that we wouldn't judge people, dear Lord, but that we would see people in the way that you see them that we would love people in the way that you love them, whether they are poor, whether they are diseased, whether they are uh, from a different race or nationality, no matter how bad a sinner God they may be, let them come in here with the rest of us sinners and find grace in Jesus Christ as many in this room have, God, and should there be one that has not received that grace, I pray today that you would help them to find that grace in Jesus Christ. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.